You're the great I am. You can do all things. You created life. Life you bring. Give me grace, Lord, each and every day. When I'm all alone, Brother Jeremiah, don't give that's, up. That's right. Just hold on. You be strong. Just be strong. Don't give up. Don't give up. You know, quite often the Lord puts us through things. Yeah. <laughs> so he sees, so we see that we really need to depend My, on him. Amen. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can thank you, Superman, if you want to. That's right. But there's only one superpower. Amen. That's right. That's right. Just hold on, my brother. Because yes. the change is going to come. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Yeah. My people, don't give up. Trouble don't last always. No. Just hold on, joy will come. You just be strong. Why? Because the Lord our God is an awesome, awesome. Yes, he is. I thank God today for our all of you being here and I thank him for our members of our music ministry how it speaks to us at times when just words fail just just words not that words aren't power but they are but sometimes a little melody a melody on that word helps set the mood a little bit so we thank God for and I'm glad for those who have come back and are participating and I want to say this generally, we're just waiting on you. All right, this is the call for everybody who wants to participate. I'm back in the music ministry. I understand what's going on in the world, but you know, this, is, this, this is not for a select few. This is for glory. You in glory? Glory is our mascot. You in glory? Come on. You want to be in glory? Come on. Come on. This is your personal invitation. If you need one, I'm giving you one. Come on back. Yeah. You're doing it. Come on back. We will make space, make things available. It's all right. We've had to move to a different perspective. We bought had to buy different mics. Yeah. Guess what? They still making mics. They still making mics. So we can buy some more. You want to stand up here? We'll give you your own mic. All right. That's <laughs> I won't say that, <laughs> but you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Yeah, we thank God. 
We've been in a sermon series for the last few weeks that has been talking about the great I am. Been talking about who God is, what he's all about, and how we get to know him in different ways. And it's the circumstances of life that help us get to know him better. And guess what? Guess what? It seems to me that God is revealing himself so awesomely in the first book of the Bible, Genesis. And we're going to find ourselves there today again, learning about another aspect of who he is. And if you will, if you will, I want you to turn to Genesis 22. Follow along with me in this message, because I think, though it may be somewhat familiar to you, maybe you'll get to see him and know him in a different way through the experience that was had by Brother Abram, Brother Abraham, same person. And while the message is going to be grounded in verses 1 through 14 of chapter 22, I won't, I won't read it all for you because I think you know most of the story, a little bit anyway, a little bit anyway. But let me just start it out. It says uh, in verse 1 in the King James Version, That and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. That starts a dialogue between God and Abraham that is going to take on epic proportion in Abraham's life. Now, your, your version of the Bible may read a little bit different if it's not the King James Version. And allow me to help you understand what we're about to go into, because if you're not in the King James Version, the Bible probably says something like, and it came to pass after these things that God did test. Right? Did test. We're going to talk about in a minute the difference between testing and tempting. All right? There is a difference. We've learned a lot about Abraham. Abraham, if you've read any of Genesis, after the creation story, God quickly gets us into the example of the man he hopes we can become like. Not in every respect, because Abraham was a flawed man. All right? He was a flawed man. But he still had enough about him for him to be an example. And I think that's good today to know that nobody has to be perfect to be an example. All right? Because there is nobody who's perfect. Nobody who's perfect. And what we do, what we do in our community is we set folks up on a pinnacle. And then when they make one mistake, we chop them down and send them on their way. And life has never been this way. But if we go through and study all that's happened in Abraham's life. Then we know that he was called by God when he was about 75 years old. And he was from an area that, according to the maps we have today, would be in the country called Iraq, Iraq. In Genesis 12, he's told to leave what he had always known and to live in a land that God had identified for him, but he knew nothing about. It takes a lot of courage to get up and do something like that. So he had to let go all that was familiar and to do so, you know and I know, would take incredible faith to get up and follow the voice of God. And so. God then promised him that the entire world would be blessed through his offspring. But time started rolling. 
time started passing. His wife still wasn't pregnant. Now, remember I said he was 75 when this whole thing started with his walk with the Lord, primarily. And here we are, they're already up in age, and she's still not conceiving a child. And so he started taking things into his own hands, because that's what we do when things don't go as fast as we wanted to. We start coming up with our own plans. And most of the time, if you put your hand in it, it's going to have some issues with it. Yeah, because man, don't mess up something. <laughs> okay, That's just the nature. And it, and it can be with the best of intentions. Yeah, you don't set up set out to mess it up. It just happens that we are, we are frail and we fail trying to do things together. And so he compromised what God told him to do. Instead of waiting on the promise that God had given him, he decided he was going to fix it by having a child with his servant with his wife's servant, to be exact. That created so many problems between him and his wife. Even though she was in on it from the beginning. Yeah, she was good with the promises before. Anyway, um, it, got, it, got, it got emotional and it got difficult. And uh, his son comes along, his name is Ishmael. And Ishmael created, and it did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong, but he seemed to become the embodiment of a problem. And so his wife, after having initially been being in on the plan, decided Ishmael and her servant had to leave. And so they did. And so Abram, here he is, in the middle of the promised season from God, never realizing the promises, and he's struggling. Can I tell you this? 25 years went by. That's a long time to wait. You, know, you think Bible years and all. 25 years went by from the time God first started talking to him until the promise actually started taking the shape that it needed. And that is she conceived and got pregnant with, Ish with, uh, with the son um, that God had promised him. Remember, the son of the promise came when he was 100 years old. 100. Yeah, 100 years old. Now, understand this. When he and Sarah got the news after 25 years, both of them started laughing. Yeah, that she's about to have a baby. You know, same way you would laugh. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Guess what? So God, showing the humor that he has, named him Isaac. Isaac, guess what Isaac means? It translates to mean laughter. Laughter. But guess what? There's another meaning to that because here he is, the child that they've longed for for at least a quarter of a century, the child that they've longed for for 25 years. This child brings joy and merriment to their house. Can you imagine after 25 years the different sounds that now exist in their home because they've got a baby in there now and He's growing up, and you know they love him, and they dote on him, and they give him all the things that a parent can give him under those circumstances. And Abram's name was changed eventually from Abram to Abraham, 
because now that Isaac is here, the covenant seems to be moving forward and he can truly say that he is going to be the father of many nations, which is what Abraham, Abraham means. Now, understand this. Abraham and his walk to being the father of many nations went through a whole lot of tests, a whole lot of things. We can learn from those tests that he went through. Let me run through them real quick before we get into the heart of this. The first thing he went through when he was in the school of faith, you ever been in the school of faith? Maybe you're in it right now, and it may be that you're going through some of these tests. Let me show you what happened with Abraham. First, he went through the family test. And that's when he was told to leave his loved ones, step out on faith, and go to a new land. Guess what? According to what we read, he passed the family test. But then he went through the famine test because when he, when he went to this place, this land, um, there was a famine in the land. God told him to be patient, and he was going to provide for him. But Abraham, he was always one to try to help solve the situation. He gets up, and he goes to Egypt, thus disobeying God, and he fails in terms of faith, the famine test. Then he moves on to the fellowship test. Fellowship test. Fellowship test allowed him and his adult nephew, Lot, in a new land to be able to pick which part of the land they want. Abraham, being such a good and gracious man, allowed his nephew to take the most fertile land. It's a good name. So he passes. He passes the fellowship land. Unfortunately for Lot, the fertile land that he chose had next door neighbors in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, so you know, you might have a good house and some horrible neighbors that can create problems for you. How do you resolve those issues? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Because you live in a good neighborhood. Your house is straight, but the neighbors party all night long. That's a problem for you. Yeah, so how do you deal with that? And so that brought on the next test for Abraham, which is called the fight test. Fight test. He had to actually get up and go and rescue his nephew from the situation that he found himself in. So he passed that test. He also had the opportunity to become rich by worldly standards. And so he was presented under those circumstances with the fortune test. He passed it. You know how? He turned down the riches of this world. He allowed God to be the one to provide him uh, with what he needed. And then comes the one we're going to concentrate on today, and that's a fatherhood test. Fatherhood test came about, and he, he failed that. Initially, he failed that. Yeah, because he and Sarah decided they were going to help God. And that brought on this last test I want to talk to you about for him. It's called the farewell test. Past that, that's when he had to send Ishmael away. This is this is son, not by Sarah. And he passed it because he allowed him to leave. Ishmael is the father of what we would call now modern day Palestine. All right. And so Abraham being the father of the Jews, the Jewish nation as they look up, and his son, the descendant Isaac being his heir. And then his brother Ishmael being the father of modern-day Palestine, you have Isaac with the Jews, Ishmael with the Palestinians, and here we go. That's the conflict we see today. Still problematic today, Jews and Palestine. Who is the rightful heir? See what happens when man puts his hand in something? 
if Abraham and Sarah had just left it alone, then we wouldn't have those issues. So we still have a modern day problems from ancient, ancient meddling back in the day. And so not every difficult experience you go through, my friends, is a test from God. So stop lying on God. Stop lying on God and saying he's putting you through the test because some of the stuff you go through is just your own doing. It's from your own choices, your own uh, wants and desires. And you say, I'm going through something bad. Well, it was going to be bad from the beginning because it started out with the wrong foundation. God ain't in that. Stop calling his name and folk will get in the middle of the mess they created and say, God just testing me. No, God's just watching you go through the mess you made. And he's gentleman enough to allow you to experience the choices you have and see if you can get your way out of it. But he's also gracious enough to give you unmerited favor and get you out of the mess you created. That's how good God is, because he can show you he'll bless you. The story that we have today draws us into this next name we're going to learn from God. And you've heard it before. You've heard it before. Perhaps you didn't know the depth of it, but you'll understand what it means today. Today, we're going to learn who Jehovah Jireh is. Jehovah Jireh and how he came to be named or known as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord, according to this first part of the scripture, tested Abraham, tested him. I wanted to give you an example of what testing was in comparison to what temptations are. Uh, testing is not designed for failure. All right? You may fail, but that's not the purpose of the test. Give me an example. How many of y'all got a microwave at home? Raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, everybody. More than likely, if you go look at the bottom of that microwave, I'm not suggesting you take it out of the wall or you know, try to pick it up because they have it. All right, but if you look at the bottom of it, there is on the back a placard that's probably got a UL on it. A UL on it. That means the manufacturer of that microwave has sent the product to Underwriters Laboratory. All right, UL, Underwriters Laboratory. An underwriter's laboratory has taken your microwave, that prototype, through a series of tests to make sure that it can function the way it was designed to function. And so the purpose of the test is not for the microwave to fail. Actually, the purpose of the test is to ensure that it does what it says it's supposed to do. And so when you find yourself in a test, the Lord is simply saying, are you what you purport to be and do you perform according to what you say you are? If you are a believer, then you ought to have faith, even under tough circumstances. And that's what UL mean. And now you can go through it. There's so many products that come through UL. I could have also chosen another uh, entity. Good housekeeping seal of approval. The same thing, but both of them do the same exact thing. That is, test them to see whether you are holding up to the test. So what's the difference between a test and temptation? If you want to write some down, you can write this down. Temptations come from our desires within us. 
temptation. While tests or trials come from the Lord who has a special purpose for us. All right? Temptations come from within us. Testings come from the Lord because he's got something for you to fulfill. So if you're going for a going through a test or trial from the Lord, that's because he's got something great for you to do if you're going through that. So be careful how you label. Let me give you, let me give you a little bit more depth to that. Temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us. The trials are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us. Okay? Temptations are designed to come from the enemy to bring out the worst. Trials and tests are given to us to bring out the best. All believers face similar temptation to sin. Every one of us that's a believer will be tempted. Every one of us. There's no excluding that. Even Christ was tempted. The question is how do we respond to it? So while all believers are tempted, not all believers experience the same trials of faith because God has special things for each one of us. And so you're not going to go through the same trials that I go through because my mission from God is different than the one you have. And so that's why you better be careful when some, you see somebody going through something and you say, I've been through that too. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that is a uniquely designed trial for that person because God's getting them ready for the next level mission he has for them. And so when we get down into this story of Abraham and what happened on this very special occasion, the first thing we do is see the promise that God gave him that he would be the father of many nations put on trial. Promise, you're going to be the father of many nations. We see that it's tested right from the beginning. How? Look at verse one. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham, which means he was very deliberate in what he was going to do. When you finish chapter 21, Isaac is still young. He's the joy of the household. He's about 15 years old when this incident takes place. And so for 15 years, they've had nothing but joy and unbridled uh, uh, laughter and, and fun with him. And they watched him grow up into what then would have been a very uh, young man. And God is now ready after 15 years of being with the promise that he waited 25 years for to test him and see. Now, the word that's used for test means when it's when you look at the etymology of the word or what the word means, it means to test completely. Watch this through a demonstration of stress. Yeah. In other words, you're going to go through something and it's not going to feel good when you go through it. Why? Because it's a test. It's a test. Come on now. Y'all know what I'm talking about because every one of y'all done sat in the class and the teacher came in that morning and said, we having a test this morning. And you say, oh, Lord, I knew I shouldn't have watched Good Times last night. <laughs> yeah, 
you know JJ, but do you know geometry? That's the question. Yeah, because you about to dynamite your math, <laughs> your math quiz. That didn't yeah. You 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 so you sit down and you have a test, and guess what happens when you go through a test like that? It's stressful. It's stressful. All right. And so the Lord puts him there, but why does God put us through these tests? For three reasons he puts us through these tests. First, he wants to make us strong. He wants us to be strong. Second, he wants to make us look forward to the to the heaven life or the ever after with him. He wants us to look forward, to long for that. To long for that. Some of us live so good down here, we don't ever think about hell. Oh, yeah. We, we, you, you think life's so good, it's so good here, you can't imagine heaven being, and that's right, you can't. We can't imagine what heaven is because heaven doesn't come in this context. We feel good in the context of brokenness and failure and tornadoes and earthquakes and problems in this world, and we still manage to feel good. Imagine when you remove all the negative, if you could imagine, all the negative stuff that's in life. No death, no sickness. Imagine how good that good is when you get on the other side. And we can't because our mind is so fractured. I has not seen, nor has it heard, nor has it even entered into the hearts of man all the things that God has prepared for him or them that love him. You haven't, you can't even imagine how good that good is. Yeah. And yet God wants us to look forward to that. And then lastly, because he wants to make us a witness or a better witness or a greater witness for those who are around us. So don't miss this point. Don't miss this point because you'll miss this as we move into this story because it's going to get hard. You are never exempt from a challenge to your faith. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how righteous you are. Look, Abraham is 115 years old. He's been righteous and faithful such that God has identified him to be the father of many nations, Red, and here he is at 115 sitting down with his number two pencil about to go through this case. God is about to deal with him. Yeah. Abraham, and, and, and let me see if I can give you this as the reason why. Is it possible, just maybe, perhaps, that Abraham was on whose control in his spiritual walk? Had he been doing well so long that things had just become common and average? Watch out. Now, I'm not trying to step on your toes, but maybe God's been so good to you for so long, you just take grace and blessing and mercy for granted. And maybe every now and then God has to rev it up a little bit so you realize that if it had not been for him on your side, you wouldn't be there. You need to understand that it's not, the, it's not what comes in your bank account between the first and the third every year. I mean, every month that's taking care of you. It's not that. It's not what you got in your 401k. It's not the neighborhood you live in. It's not the fact that you can go look in the box and see paid in full on your deed that's got you housed. It's still the Lord. And sometimes we're on cruise control spiritually. And God needs for you. What he'll do is uh, you, you, you have been on cruise control just riding down if you drive. 
if you drive, you're on cruise control on on a on a trip, and you're just moving along, listening to some for me, be some probably some Frankie Bell and Maze or something like that, just listening, and things just rolling. Yeah, but then all of a sudden, it's the road that was straight and unobstructed. There comes some highway problem, and you have to stop the car. You hit your brake, you come off cruise, and that's what God has to do to you sometimes. Yeah, he has to make you hit your brake so that you are now back in control and understanding that you need to depend on other senses in order to continue your journey. That's what he's doing to Abraham right now. And how does he do it? Watch this. Let's get real with him. The Bible says he talks to him. He says, Abraham. That's what it says. He says, Abraham. And Abraham responds, here am I. Here am I. Abraham is ready to hear from God because when he's heard from God in the past, God has always been bringing good things. So what's God going to do now? Maybe I got a mission to go and take out this country or maybe I got a mission to go and move to another land. We've done that before. I know God is good on that one. God will get me there. He'll take care of me. And even though we might have some bumps and bruises, I think everything will be all right. Besides, I've got, I've got Isaac with me. And so it's got to be better now. This is Abraham wondering what God might have for him. According to scripture, this is about the seventh time that God has talked to him this way. But he could never have imagined that God was going to say to him what he said under these circumstances. In his wildest imaginations, in his most horrible dreams, he could not imagine what God is about to say to him. He says to him, Abraham, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him. Hold on. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Sidon. You can imagine from Abraham's 115-year-old body all the air was sucked out. No, God, wait. I need to replay that. Isaac, sacrifice. These words, think, three words, take, go, sacrifice. Had to hit him like a, a punch in his stomach. I've listened to you before, Lord. But this can't be what you mean for me. There's no way. I know what a burnt offering is, Lord. And a burnt offering means that it's completely consumed. There's no way if I go sacrifice him, he can get up and come walking back with me. What? What must this mean? But watch this. He never protested. He never. He never protested. Total commitment will always be costly. Total commitment will always be costly. And this was Abraham's opportunity to demonstrate whether he truly loved the Lord with all his heart, soul, and strength, as we're commanded to in Scripture. And I'm going to tell you what, because God is God, he gives no explanation. He just has an expectation. 
no explanation. Sometimes we're not given reasons why we go through certain things in our lives. We don't understand it. But God has a higher purpose and God doesn't have to answer to us. He doesn't have to tell us why he's doing something. Even though we plead and the first thing that comes out of our mouth is why, Lord? Why? Well, he ain't afraid of you asking why. He just doesn't have to answer. You may leave this earth never knowing why. And that's okay. And guess what? You don't always answer your children. When they ask you stuff, why I can't do such and such? We come up with that stopgap, you know, we think, because I said so. But God don't even have to say that. Yeah. Isaac, Lord, I'm going to be rational in this. Abraham is saying, Lord, you promised me that I was going to be the father of many nations. And Isaac is crucial to the fulfillment of that promise because without him, I can't have any more any descendants. And now you're going back on the promise you gave me, God, because you want me to now get and sacrifice the way the promise is going to be fulfilled? That's what, that's what some theologians theorize. The problem is this. Abraham never said that. He didn't. You know what he did? He prepared. He got up. He got up and he prepared. The Bible says that Abraham didn't argue. Guess what, he else, guess what else he didn't do? And I want you to know this because this is important. He didn't call his friend and say, man, God told me to do such, 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 such. What you think about that? Can you help me? Because that's what we do. He didn't call a relative and check in and say, give me your opinion on this. He's, he got up. He didn't go to his wife. He got up and he prepared without one word of objection. He practiced, this is hard, immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. Can I tell you something? You're not going to like it if I tell you. I'll tell you anyway, because you need to know that delay almost always results in disobedience. Delay. When you know God has told you to do something and you delay doing it, then you're being disobedient. Because you already know he's told you to do it. That don't feel good, does it? Let me show you how James wrote it. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote it this way. He said, anyone then, James 4 and 17, if you want to check. James 4 and 17 read, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Ooh, that's hard, eh? Yeah. So Abraham immediately obeyed. Guess what he did? He got up early, saddled his donkey, took two servants, he got Isaac ready, and then he cut wood for the altar. He got up and he prepared. Why? We learned it in the frat, right? Prior preparation prevents poor performance. All right? We learned that. It's true. If you prepare, you're less likely to have problems down the road. Yeah. Because guess what? This is what we do. We set ourselves up for an excuse. When you don't prepare, you get to the mountain and say, man, I forgot to bring wood. 
Well, you know you're going for a sacrifice, but you didn't bring wood. So that slows you down just a little bit. He didn't do that. We also need to be prepared for worship, y'all. I'm going to come down your street just a little bit. You know, that means getting your clothes together at night so you don't jump up in the morning running late. Have you seen my socks? Yeah, where's my other green shoe? Trying to get ready on something you could have gotten ready last night if you prepared. Yeah, you know, look, look, they say lay your clothes out. The way you lay your clothes out before the 4th of July party you want to go through or, or the birthday party you want to go to, you already got that laid out. Yet we always running late for church. Coming in the door at church, pulling our socks up late. Maybe not that late, but you know what I'm talking about. You done ran out half a tank of gas waiting on somebody to come out the house. This ain't personal. This ain't personal. <laughs> not only was he prepared, y'all, he was persistent. He was persistent. How do I know that? Let me, let me show you this. The journey they took was 50 miles from where they lived. 50 miles. So it took three days to get there. Three days to walk there. Him and the entourage that he had. It says on the third day, that means they've already journeyed. This is verses four through six. Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here. Listen, he said, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he put it on his son Isaac. All right? That's symbolic. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. Abraham was persistent in following through on what God wanted. How do I know that? Because he practiced in that instance, y'all, the principle of separation. And this is something you would do well to practice. He left the guys who were traveling with him, the entourage, at the base of the mountain. He said, y'all stay here. All right? Watch the donkey. Keep the animals so they don't run away. Why? Because he didn't want them once he got up on the mountain trying to talk him out of what he knew he had to do. And most of the time, we will surround ourselves with folk for that intended purpose to talk us out of it try to talk us out of it. And he didn't want to place himself in that situation. This is the principle of separation. And sometimes we need to get away from folk who lead us down the wrong path. Sometimes folk in their good intention try, trying to support us will actually hinder us from doing what the Lord wants us to do. Yeah, they think they're doing what's, you for, what's good for you, but they're not doing what's good for kingdom building. They get in the way. So you need to separate yourself from those folk. Abraham had the faith believe, y'all. Look at verse 5. It's such a powerful verse. Such a powerful verse. 
Abraham has the faith to believe before he steps foot on the mountain base. He said, we will go and worship and we will return. Oh, my Lord, can you imagine? Can, can, I, can I ask you something? I told you it took three days for them to take this journey. Three days. What was going through his head? Three days. Lord, I got to go up here. And, and Isaac is over there being Isaac, playing with his little Nintendo. I mean, he just, we there yet, Daddy? I mean, he doing what kids do. I ain't never seen a bird like that before, Daddy. I, we don't have them where we live. Or, uh, Daddy, what we going to eat for dinner tonight? The same conversation that you have. Dad, 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 I wonder what Mama's doing. When we get back, let's take Mama. I saw some flowers. I want to give them the same old thing. And what does Abraham say to him? He's just being Isaac. He's just being a child. And what's going through your mind when you say that I've got to sacrifice him? Because God has required me to do this when we get there. And yet, he doesn't waver. He doesn't waver. He doesn't take the opportunity in three days. You know, have you ever spent an afternoon with a teenager? I know you have. It's full. But watch this. He spent three. And what he had at the other end, they're just curious. They're just learning. They're just talking. Can you imagine the weight on his shoulders while he's listening to them? It's hard for us to have a conversation after work trying to figure out what we're going to have for dinner. Just be quiet for a minute while I think. Don't we tell them that? I know some of y'all have told them that. Y'all don't say it quite as nice as that sometimes. Will you shut up? Go get on the donkey in the back. All this talking, I can't even concentrate. Y'all know, I, look, I ain't the only one. I know, I know. You ain't getting but two tacos tonight. You didn't eat them the other night. Why are you eating all that mutton over there? You know what happened. You're going to have a stomachache. I mean, you know, this is what we do. And yet he had the, the concerns of the everyday life on him with his child and knowing what he had to accomplish on the other end. That's why. Why are you telling me this, Reverend Sparks? Because I tell you, life goes on even when you're going through something. And you can't shut all of life down while you're experiencing something. And the guys traveling with them were just on the job, man. This dude ain't paying me enough to be walking these three miles. I mean, you know, my mama told me to go work for this other dude. I mean, they, they you know, they just around. <laughs> they don't know the problem that's going on, which is why he had to separate from them because they have no context to understand what he's going through. Abraham says something in this scripture that I want you to make a note of in your Bible. This is why I tell you to get a Bible. It's better to have a physical Bible. All right. He says, we, the lad and I, will go to the mountain and worship, and then we will come back. It's the first time in Scripture that worship is used. All right, the very first time Abraham talks about worship, and it gives us a different context of what worship means, all right? Worship means the willingness to surrender all to God. So he's saying, I'm going up here, and I'm going to leave all to him on the altar. 
I'm going to give him everything I got. All right? And I'm not going to hold anything back. And if we're obedient, I'm being obedient and giving God all he wants and all he deserves. That's what worship is. That's why we can't come in here already blocked up. You got to be willing to come in and surrender all if you're going to be in worship. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, you got a preconceived notion of what church is, but do you know what worship is? Yeah, church is not just coming here singing two songs and then getting a sermon and then going. You can come and experience that and never have worshiped the Lord because you never give him all of yourself in the worship experience. All you did the whole time you sat there all morning was worry about something else. You never gave him yourself. And so you didn't worship him. And, and here this man is saying, I'm going to go up here and I'm going to put it all on the altar for the Lord. And we're going to worship there and then we're going to come back and be with you. Abraham has the assurance in his faith walk, Deborah, that Isaac is coming back with him. Before he touches the base of the mountain, he's saying, my faith is secure enough to know that my God has something up his sleeve for my boy to come back with me. He wouldn't give me this test without there being an end game that's going to bless me. He wouldn't give me this boy who's the answer to all of my tomorrows and then trick me by taking him away from me. He said, he must. And then we go to Hebrew and we find that in Hebrew, there's another answer to what must have been in Abraham's mind. He said, by faith, in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, let me see if I can read it for you. He says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offering will be reclaimed. Watch this. Abraham reasoned that God would raise, I mean, could raise the dead and figuratively speak. That's what God did. So even without it having been said anywhere in Scripture before, Abraham has decided that even if God makes me go through with this, he is God enough to raise the dead. And so he'll give him back to me through, what's the word we use? Resurrection. But whatever it is, he's God. And he can do whatever he wants to do. And so then Abraham's profession of faith becomes his testimony. Yeah, I have faith in the Lord. And he starts talking about it. As Abraham and Isaac walked up the mountain together, Isaac does what kids do. He said, Daddy. And, and Abraham says, yes, son. He says, he said, the fire and the wood are here. Because Isaac is a smart young man. He said, the fire and the wood are here. He said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Can you imagine from just a father's standpoint how that question would have cut him? But Abraham answered in faith and not in the flesh. Because in the flesh, you would have crumbled and said, baby, I don't know where it's coming from. But when faith steps up, 
when faith steps up, when faith steps into the situation, when faith opens the door of the knock, that's when you say God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. In other words, I know he will. He'll provide something for us. And so they get there, and the Bible says, this is where we come to know the name Jaira. All right, this is when we learn that Jehovah is Jaira. All right, because the sacrifice is going to come from the Lord. He's going to provide it. All right, and the word Jaira is, is, is used two things. is one to see and the other is provision. That's Jaira, J-I-R-E-H, J-I-R-E-H, Jehovah. Who sees and provides for us. In other words, he's seen what you need and he gives it to you. He's my provider. It's when we come to know him. And that's when he goes up and he presents. He makes the presentation of the offering. He trusts that the presentation he makes for the Lord is going to be sufficient for the Lord to accept it. He trusts that. So it's He's trusting in his presentation. Lord, this is what you asked for. So the Bible says he takes his son and he starts the fire and then he binds him. He binds him and he lays him on the altar. And the Bible says that he lays him on the altar and then he reaches out his hand with the knife that he kept. That he kept. And he raised his hand to carry out the sacrifice. And that's when we see the Lord. The Lord, my God, is an awesome God. He's a provider. And that's when the Bible says that an angel of the Lord calls out again and says, Abraham. Abraham and Abraham, who has to be on swivel at that point, saying something. His senses have got to be working at that point. He's got to be saying, Lord, I know you're not going to make me go through this right now. I'm sitting here as red as I can be. I've done everything. I've walked three days. I got my boy laying here, Lord, and all his senses have got to be tingling. And so when that angel says, Yes, Lord. Can't you see him? Can't you see him trembling? Can't you see him crying? Can't you see him confused? But he's also listening for the Lord to tell him. And he says, do not harm the boy. When he hears that, the Bible says they hear movement away from them. And Abraham turns and sees a ram caught in the bushes by his horns. That's important. Caught in the bushes by his horns. And the Bible says that the angel tells him, we know you fear the Lord now. I know. He says, I know you fear the Lord. Take the animal. Sacrifice. Abraham gets his boy up and he goes over and he gets the lamb, the ram that is in the bushes by the horn. Why is that important, Reverend Spark? Why do you keep saying that? Because somebody on some farm near there had lost a lamb that morning. Somebody's ram had run away. And the farmer was out there looking for him, not knowing that the Lord had need of him. 
and he ran away and he called his horns in the thicket there on the mountain. Why is it important that it was his horns? It's important because not any of the ram's body was damaged. It was a lamb without spot or blemish. It was a sacrificial lamb that had been provided for us, for Abraham that day. And he was able to go get that ram that had only been caught by his horn and lay him on the altar and sacrifice him because under no circumstances will God take a deficient sacrifice. Even if you're in trouble, he's not going to take a deficient. Why? Because he's God. And he never has to lower his standards because you ain't got enough money to take care of what he needs. So he provided, because Abraham didn't have it up there on the mountain. He couldn't have done it himself, Pam. He couldn't have gone to the market and bought one. So God brought one up the mountain for him and provided the lamb for him, the ram for him. And he sacrificed him there on the altar. And he passed the test. And that's why he called that place on that mountain Jehovah Jireh. Because the Lord will, will provide. That's the name. Even to this day, God came through for Abraham. So my question to you as I sit down today is, what are you willing to give up? What's your Isaac? Oh, what is your Isaac? What's standing between you and God? What is standing between you and God? Because what Abraham said is, I want to know if the greatest thing I've blessed you with, you're willing to give that up for me because God says nothing should come between me and you. Nothing, nothing I've given you ought to be greater than me giving you me. What's your Isaac? What is God asking you to give up? Is it your job? Your house? Another relationship with another person. What is that stand between you and him? And David said, I won't give the Lord anything that don't cost me nothing. What is it that the Lord is expecting you to give? Watch this. And I'm out. He says, God's provision is such that he still expects you to worship the blesser and not the blessed. Many of us have turned to just worshiping the stuff, the people he gives us, and not him. And that's the moral of this story. God said, the greatest thing I've given you, Abraham, I'm wondering if you'll sacrifice that for me. That's the whole purpose of this. And my question to you is, are you in that space today? The Bible says this clearly. Matthew wrote this. He says, if we put God first, all the rest of that stuff will be added to it. Everything else will be added to it. So here we go. Watch the symbolism, and I'm out. As the leaders of our church come today, I want you to see what happened in this trip as they go to Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is the mountain they went to. It's the site which later would hold the temple, and the temple would hold the blood of so many rams. It would come streaming down. Mount Moriah is also the same name that they use right there on that, on that mountain. So another name that they use for it, it's called Calvary. 
And the blood would come down from Calvary and bless, bless all the people. Watch this. Both Isaac and Jesus, we find Jesus is God's only son. Similarity. Both of them were required to carry their own wood up the mountain to the hill. Both of them. Yeah. Both of them had to do that. Not only that, both of them were bound in preparation for the sacrifice that was to come. Both of them were. Yeah. And every place on Mount Moriah where the blood ran down was considered sacred. Right down that mountain, starting with Abraham and the sacrifice of that lamb without spot or blemish, all the way to Jesus who was sacrificed on that same mountain without spot or blemish. Abraham traveled three days to get to the mountain. Jesus traveled three days to come out on the other side. Abraham knew that his son would come back to him some kind of way. And symbolically, he was resurrected back to new life with him. Jesus wasn't resurrected symbolically. Jesus was resurrected in body. And he lives for us right now. He was our sacrifice. The Lord is telling us that just like in the story with Abraham and Isaac, Jesus became like that ram that was stuck in the thicket. He was a substitute death. He died like the ram died for Isaac, just like Jesus died for me and you. That was a substitutionary death. The Lord has been telling the same story since he started loving us. And guess what? He loves us endlessly. And he still requires of us that we love him back. So my question to you today is, have you ever given thought to him being your God? Have you ever given thought to the gift that he's given to you to claim you? Have you accepted? Have you accepted the gift of eternal life that comes from knowing? If you've never accepted, then today is the day. Now is the time for you to accept it, to make that acknowledgement of him. I open the doors to the church to you. Today is the day for you to come. Maybe you've been away for a little while. Today is the day for you to come back to the church or whatever the case may be, the doors of our church are wide open. While the choir stands to sing, whosoever will, let us come right now.